0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude, it's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com Hello
1: and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey and I'm joined by Ian Aitchison and David Shipley. Ian Acheson was a former governor at Wandsworth Prison and David was a prisoner at Wandsworth.
0: Guys, were you there at separate times? I, I don't think we overlapped. Did I? I was there in 2020. So I think you, you were long gone by then, were you in?
2: I, I was long gone and doing
0: other more interesting things.
1: And we're here to talk about um, a new urgent notification that's been issued to Bedford Prison. It was issued yesterday and the report cited higher levels of violence at Bedford Prison than at any other prison in the country. It was ranked poor on safety, respect, purposeful activity, preparation for release. Ian, what did you make of um, the urgent notification? And can you tell us what an urgent notification actually means as well?
2: Sure. The the urgent notification was issued yesterday by the Chief Inspector of Prisons, who's the only person apart from the prison's bureaucracy who can go into any prison and go anywhere and talk to anybody about prison conditions, and that's what the statutory responsibility of uh, His Majesty's uh, Inspector of Prisons is. And effectively what he did yesterday was suspend his inspection because the conditions that he encountered were so awful and that prompted a mechanism that was created by uh, one of his predecessors called an urgent notification where he writes directly to the Secretary of State for Justice drawing attention to the you know very dire conditions that we've seen described. And it's worth, you know, uh, saying uh, this. This was at HMP Bedford, uh, and this prison has been in freefall effectively since uh, 2016, when there was a massive riot there, and the riot was caused by conditions that are very similar to to what uh, the chief inspector has observed in his comments to Alex Chalk: Uh, severely overcrowded prison, uh, not enough staff to run an effective and safe regime staff that are completely overwhelmed by uh, the uh, distress and disorders that they are facing, and prisoners locked up effectively for, uh, you know, right about 22 hours a day. You, you can't have safety and rehabilitation in this sort of situation. And the one thing I would want to say, and I'm sure we'll get into this, is that this is not simply a problem of resources. This is the answer you get all the time, if only we have more money. Well, that sits very strangely with uh, Alex Chalk's, uh, numerous uh, boasts that we're pumping millions of, of uh, pounds into the prison system. You, you can't have it both ways. Something else is going on with these urgent notifications. This is the fifth, I believe, uh, this year, uh, and that is that there's something going wrong with the corporate culture of an organisation that cannot maintain order and uh, rehabilitation on our prison landings. There's time for a fundamental reset of that particular problem.
1: And David, let's get straight into that then. This, as Ian says, is the fifth urgent notification that's been issued to a prison this year. What do you think is going wrong?
0: I think Ian's right in everything he said, so we're not going to get too much debate, I suspect, in this in this discussion. And um, th- there are profound uh, cultural failings across the prison system. From the the top end, I think, where the, we've got this huge layer of, of management, which doesn't really do a lot, um, uh, within the MOJ, but, but within individual establishments as well um there, there's, there's a really set of toxic cultures uh, often there's no real appetite for enforcing rules or discipline um and i think this is a huge issue because ill disciplined prisons are dangerous prisons and they are prisons where where kind of violence and disorder are commonplace and what that means is you have prisoners being more scared you have staff being more scared it gets harder to retain staff it's harder to run purposeful activity because You've got fewer staff who are often being dragged away to deal with, you know, prisoners causing havoc, jumping on the netting, picking fights. Uh, And in that kind of toxic environment where there's no discipline, no order, nothing good that prisons could and should be doing happens.
1: Is it sort of a cycle of a prison getting worse? You said that in the Bedford case, you think it went into freefall in 2016, Um, Is it an issue with the training of staff? Does it start there? Does it start with the leadership of an individual prison? Does it start with the national government? How do you think this process, this freefall, would have begun?
2: Well, it starts at both ends of the spectrum that you've just described there. I mean, first of all, it's very clear to me by what I'm being told by senior prison people who don't speak out because they would describe it as career suicide, but who talk to me, is that they are receiving, governors are receiving into establishments barely trained youngsters who simply cannot endure the environment that they're being put into, which is a wash with incivility, violence, and despair. So that even the most um I you know I, idealistic young staff, and of course there are young staff that are idealistic, and of course those staff need to to um you know learn by doing, as it were. But when you're throwing those people into that environment, it's not surprising at all that we've got eye-watering levels of uh, re- retention failures by these young people going into an environment they're extremely badly prepared for where they're extremely badly supported in many occasions and then you know voting with their feet less than a year later so we need to do something about the training doctrine because as as David has you know, articulated very well there you know if you don't have suitable and sufficient numbers of frontline prison staff clearly and confidently in charge everything else is toast you cannot have what we all want And those are decent uh, environments for offenders to go into and uh, for uh, work to take place with them that fits them to lead useful lives on on release from custody. I mean, that used to be the mantra that was posted outside every prison and it's um, word salad at the moment. And the other end of the spectrum is uh, the corporate management of the prison service. I mean, it's just astonishing, really. There are over 5,000 people now involved in prison service headquarters, bureaucratic management, sitting on top of governors who are faced often with an impossible job of recruiting and retaining good staff and uh, uh, delivering a safe and secure regime. I'd much rather see that money invested on the front line. I mean, just to give you one example, um, which I think is just the most perverse example of what's going on. The prison service itself uh, seems to recognise that There needs to be fundamental change between the relationship of the centre, this overburdened, sclerotic, useless uh, lump, and where the rehabilitation actually happens. So they've devised this uh, strategy called One HMPPS, and one of the first things they did was recruit yet another layer of senior management at a cost of, uh, for each person, over £100,000 a year, apparently to coordinate this. This illustrates the absolute blindness that exists in the cor- in the corporate centre of the organisation to be able to effect change, and this is why. And I know Alex Chalk falls on these podcasts, Max, every uh, every Friday. But this is why, if he's listening, he needs to take the fundamental reform that's necessary completely out of the hands of the people who are responsible for some of these uh, appalling reports, and actually. Uh, you know, have an independent review going on, and you know. By the way, I I'm available for
1: weddings, bar mitzvahs, uh, and that as well. If he's listening, David, what's it like um, as someone who spent time in a prison? What's that? What's that experience like of um, when a prison gets out of control? What, what What do you think that feeling of freefall will be like? How's it reflected um, inside?
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question. I'm sort of picking up on what it, what was saying about uh, like inexperienced staff who can't keep control um i often think about g-wing in wandsworth um in early 2020 um i remember the first time i walked on that it felt like uh almost like a like a really chaotic inner city school where the teachers have got no control um and the, i think the moment for me to exemplify that was um a prisoner a young man was was standing on the landing smoking a, a spliff a can of a cigarette and he um you know, in, in full view of an officer, young officer who turned to him and said, "Not, I'm giving you a nicking, or that has that stops now. Come here, just you can't do that. You know you can't do that." And the prisoner just kind of like curled his lip at him and turned around and walked away. Um, and when you see that kind of environment, I think you, you realize that actually, not only are our prisons not, they're not teaching people to to be less likely to commit crime, they're actually teaching prisoners that rules really don't matter and you can ignore rules and there's not really any meaningful consequence. Um, and that creates an environment where it's very clear that actually the the prison officers aren't really in charge. Uh, you get a sense that there's sort of an energy in a space where you can feel that actually if it kicks off, it's going to be quite a long time before order is restored when you know, many more officers are brought in because actually the the balance of power sits with the prisoners often on those sorts of wings um that's you know as a prisoner is not actually a great place to be because generally you know the officers are going to run a reasonable regime and make sure everyone gets fed and gets out if they can um and a wing that's essentially dominated by and controlled by big personality prisoners who know they can tell young and experienced officers where to go with no comeback is is a really uh Feels like a very unsafe place and it's often as I said it's a place where often things do kick off and as a result you know, no one gets to go to the library that day because some bloke decides to pick an argument um, and the cost of one prisoner or two prisoners being allowed to behave in this way is actually often that a whole wing doesn't get exercise doesn't get association doesn't get time in the library doesn't get to go to work or education because no one can be spared to escort them uh, it's 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 very similar, as I said, to sort of a failing inner city school where the tolerance of, of bad behaviour from a smaller number of prisoners can actually destroy the whole institution very quickly.
1: Ian, you said on Twisted Day that people probably won't care about the state of our prisons until they see more crime on our streets. Um, can, you, can you talk about that connection between um, a poor prison service and how that reflects in um, more disorder on British streets? how clear is that can you kind of paint that out for yeah, us
2: well, well pretty easily really because the the places that uh, many uh, people get sentenced to local prisons like bedford for example are precisely the places with all the ingredients in place to uh accelerate criminality they're awash with drugs they're dominated by uh, you know a, a literally captive audience that as as david uh has said are exploited by the big personalities often the, the drugs issue is uh you know connected to organized uh, crime and is very efficiently run in terms of you know profit but of course all the attendant brutality and violence that comes with it is there we know that statistics tell us around a third of people coming into custody don't have a drug habit but leave with one so you know in the absence of any re- effective rehabilitation or people being able to tackle their offending behavior not simply because programs aren't there but the programmes themselves are, are, are often ineffectual or in the case of sex offending, uh, you know, quite, quite recently, uh, scandalously, uh, they, they make some people worse. You know, we, we can't expect to have people who uh, go out of prison who are better fitted to be able to go on and lead crime free lives. And that's why we, we need, you know, so many things to happen in order to get a decent prison system that nobody really cares about, as I've said, actually, until they become a victim of crime personally, and then it's personalised. But, you know, if if we had a system where we only have people in prison that should be there, people who've committed serious interpersonal violence or whose offences are, are in in other ways, so serious that, you know, custody is mandated, and and we clear prisons of people that don't need to be there or, you know, are often... uh, Unable to comply with regimes because they've got mental health and typically mental health conditions related to, to uh, drug misuse and that in itself driven by often non-violent acquisitive criminality. If we cleared some of those people out of prisons who really shouldn't be there and did something else with them, then you would create the time and the space to make you know uh, a a meaning rather than a mockery out of the word rehabilitation. We need to get people you know fundamentally fit for for work. When well, they leave prisons, and the tiny charities, including ones that I've um, I'm connected to, uh, you know, have tip to Tempest Novo here, who are known to the, the Spectator, you know, those are the those are the organisations that are working really well with prisoners who understand prison levers and support them into employment to allow them to to rescue their potential. You know, we need to see much more of that and much less of a bureaucracy which seems to be completely geared to being blind to the massive problems inside the the system or or at best ineffectual at tackling them we need to turn prisons back into purposeful places this is not impossible what constant you know ch- political churn means is that you get new ministers i think uh, edward argar this this is this week's prisons minister i'm not sure but you know you get them coming in and you get the learned helplessness of the corporate prison system immediately sort of overwhelming them with these people saying, actually, we're the experts here and uh, and nothing can be done. Until you've driven a coach and horses through that awful complacency and replaced these people at the top with people who actually want the prison service to be a law enforcement agency, first of all, not not the, the paramilitary wing of the Quakers. And to restore order, fundamentally, you're not going to get any change. And, you know, this is so important, not just for prison staff who, you know, uh, in the last three months, 2,200 of them were assaulted uh, in, in their work, uh, which is an increase of about, I, I believe, about 13% on a, a previous quarter. Uh, you know, not just for those staff who deserve to work in dignity, but fundamentally for prisoners who feel terrified in these places because nobody is effectively in control. You know, and I think that gets forgotten about, and uh, D- David, of course, has has, has uh, clearly uh, you know illustrated that that these people have no power at all, and you know it must be terrifying to be you know locked in, in a in a small cell with no handle on the door uh, when you don't actually know uh, you know uh, when you're going to get uh, unlocked, if you're going to get unlocked, and you know if you're going to be safe when you get out, or if there's going to be anything useful for you to do. To be able to be the uh you know the, the agent of your own rehabilitation. That that's completely unacceptable. It's totally undignified, it's it's utterly unethical, but nobody seems to want to grasp the nettle. And unfortunately I I have to include the current Secretary of State.
1: David, prisons are getting worse. And do you put it down principally like Ian, um, to political churn and an inability to kind of grab hold of a bureaucracy, what else do you think is contributing to it?
0: I mean, I think like, the, the fact that we... I, I think since I was released from prison in August 2021, we're now on our seventh prisons minister, um, suggests that you know, we, we have no consistency at the top. So I can't imagine yet yeah, why, why the civil servants would, would take the direction from the new prisons minister seriously because they'll probably assume that whoever it is, they'll be gone pretty quickly. Uh, so I think that that is a problem. We need someone consistently in charge of it. But, but yeah, the the functioning of the MOJ... Is obviously awry. These these people cannot run a prison system that works. And I think it's, and that spills all the way down to lax management, lax safety, poor recruitment. Um, I, I just picking up on that issue Ian talked about, sort of about the sense of safety. I mean, you know, in, in unsafe prisons, because there's poor controls and poor sense of what's going on, you often get very dangerous prisoners just chucked into a cell with someone else who they will, they will assault. Um, and in understaffed, dangerous prisons, as I saw at Wandsworth, sometimes those assaults will continue for twenty or thirty minutes before someone comes along to unlock the door. Um, but I watched that happen one night at Wandsworth. So, um, in that environment, you know, where 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 no one feels safe, where the, the prisoners don't feel safe, where the staff don't feel safe, where you know the, the Bedford's got the highest rate of assaults on staff in the whole prison system, you know how could anything good get done if everyone in an environment constantly feels afraid and looking over their shoulder watching out then no one's going to be able to do any meaningful work with prisoners to help them figure out why they're offended and try and you know stop that no one's going to actually be able to focus on attending training courses and really doing education and preparing themselves for work because they're spending their whole time terrified and i think you know i I do think our prisons should have more of a more focus on work and training and more on rehabilitation, but we can't achieve any of that until we make them safe and well-ordered. And frankly, it, it this is the fifth um, urgent notification this year. Charlie Taylor keeps talking about violence in prisons. He keeps reporting on it. The, the government probably won't be the government for that much longer, but what Alex Chalk could do while he's still in this role is actually st- – you know, essentially a full public inquiry into the prison system where we really kick this all open and understand how bad it is so we can fix it.
1: Thank you, David. Thank you, Ian. And thank you very much for listening.